So this morning we're going to look, continue to look at our series on faith as we progress through Hebrews 11. Um, the, the landscape is that we're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. I've said that quite a few times over the last five months. And whoever's watching or you're listening to this on a podcast, uh, you don't know where I'm at. You don't know where I've been over the last five months. I'll say now I'm not sorted But as I've looked at these readings this morning, as I've looked at the early church, I've realised that even more, that across the globe right now, Christians are actually living out their faith that is basically opposite to the kingdom of comfort that I experience a lot of the time. I'm pointing the finger at myself. There's no one else in the room, so I can't point the finger at anyone else. But... I realise as this pandemic continues, the more I realise that my faith has often been about me, about being consumeristic, I what I get out of it, being judgmental. So I don't listen to the full story. I'm dependent on others. I'm dependent on stuff. I like safety and so many more things. And at different points over the last five months... Um, through stuff I've seen, through stuff I've read, through stuff I've heard, I've realised that that is going on inside of me. Yikes, it sounds a bit harsh. And I know, because people have said this to me many times, Stuart, go gently. Have some self-compassion. But I've also got to face up to some hard facts. And one of the things I've been trying to learn better is to hear people's stories and to have an eyes wide open perspective. So as we go through today, I've collated a few um, short glimpses into Christians around the globe and their perspective on their faith. Their little short stories, really, really short. And my prayer that this Sunday is not a reality check Sunday, but a perspective changing Sunday. So the headline statistics um, back 2019 into early 2020 that over 260 million Christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution. 2,983 Christians were killed for their faith. 9,488 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. 3,711 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced or imprisoned. Our first glimpse is this. A group of children were laughing and talking as they came down to their church sanctuary after eating together. Instantly, many of them are killed by a bomb blast. It was Easter Sunday in April 2019 in Sri Lanka. It's heartbreaking, a tragic reality. So in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament of the Bible, the author seems to rattle through heroes of faith. Sometimes without comment, sometimes he's describing the experiences of others without naming them. Some won great victories of faith. Others um, suffered horrible torture and death by faith. While all of them seem to gain God's approval of their faith. The author is trying to encourage us as the readers to be faithful to Jesus in the face of looming persecution. 
it's a kind of an uncomfortable direction to face. He's suggesting that, that our walk of faith is not about personal comfort and happiness. And in, the, in verse 35, which we're going to read from, he shifts direction to show that sometimes God blesses those who trust him with the grace and he blesses us with the grace to endure horrible persecution without wavering. So let's read from Hebrews 11, middle of verse 35. There are others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So these people on the second half of this list in Hebrews 11 were just as much people of faith as the first half. In fact, you could argue that they had greater faith because it's not easy to trust God when you're being flogged, stoned or even sawn in two. As It's not as easy as doing that as it is seeing foreign armies put to flight or the dead raised to life. While all of us, I would suggest, we want to sign up to the first group, we want to be seeing those foreign armies put to flight and the dead raised to life, but we need to recognise that there's something in God's generosity to give us his grace. His grace is his undeserved favour as our sufficiency in overwhelming trials and persecution. The writer Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 and 10 says this, But he says to me, my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more the, gl the gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our second glimpse is when Ronan started a church in his village. Opponents burned it down. I never thought about giving up, he said. I trusted that God would act. So first thing is I'm challenged about is I read about people being commended for their faith, yet they are destitute, persecuted, mistreated. I'm challenged because my faith needs to change to be an eyes wide open perspective. We are wired by our culture to look for the big, the miraculous, those who speak eloquently, those who appear strong and many more things like this. We think that that is where we find our perspective in our faith. And I'm not saying that God can't use um, those things to bring back his kingdom on earth course he can he does but the theme that seems to run right throughout the bible is the light breaks forth from brokenness 
strength will come from weakness. The last shall be first. So many things are upside down in our culture. God's dream for us is an eyes wide open perspective. Where we're realising that in the most bruising, devastating, scarred journeys, he wants us, like our brothers and sisters across the globe, to be open to a different perspective. Not blinkered, not tunnel visioned, but eyes wide open. Isaiah writes these words in the Old Testament, these encouraging prophetic words. In Isaiah 40, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. As I was preparing uh, today, um, for some reason I had this picture of this playing field that I used to go with my friends when I was um, living in Wellington in in Somerset um, when I was a child and when I was a teenager. And it was actually the field that I um, lost one shoe much to my mother's horror and I was in a lot of trouble but I had suddenly had this picture whilst preparing of this field and I said God what are you saying and then I had this picture that somebody was being released from being trapped and running recklessly with abandonment and joy in that field just taking everything in in their surroundings their eyes were wide open And maybe God is saying something to you. Maybe he's encouraging you that he wants to do that in your life. Where you felt trapped and suddenly you're released into this outward space. Running recklessly with abandonment and joy. I want you to be encouraged to be open that the Holy Spirit may want to move in your life today. Eyes wide open. That's the kind of perspective. That's the kind of faith. God is wanting to draw us into. Our third glimpse across the globe is Brother Edward in Syria. Brother Edward from Syria, who has shown incredible courage to stay in what was not only a war zone, but where he as a Christian would be a target. He stayed to be light in the darkness and to offer hope and provision to others. Some of these glimpses are people who are here now and they're facing these difficulties. And as I grapple with what faith should look like, I get a bit introspective. And I want to start again back where Jesus is. Jesus challenged his first disciples in John chapter 16. And he's chatting to his disciples about a journey to death. They don't have a clue what's going on. It's probably a very confusing conversation. Because they're probably riding on the crest of the wave. Jesus has come, we're on, the, we're on a roll, we're on a roll. And yet Jesus is talking to them no longer um, about what is happening now. But he's looking forward and everything is changing. And in verse 32 of John 16, it said, Jesus is saying, A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered. Each to your own home. It's not a lockdown. 
You will leave me alone, all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that you may, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's chatting about being scattered. And as we read through the book of Acts in the Bible, there's this crazy journey that the church goes on. Scattered because of persecution, but exponential growth in the church. Those observing see something of a life-changing, life-giving faith that comes from these disciples that naturally draws them into a journey of faith and following Jesus themselves. Yet there is persecution. Jesus warns his disciples before this happens that there's trouble ahead. He imparts a deep peace that he, Jesus, has overcome the world and all that is thrown at us. So if our lives are about following Jesus, then he is calling us to all be those overcomers too. That keeps our focus on him and his goodness and his power rather than on ourselves and what we try and work out. I have to remind myself this, that it is Jesus who is the one who overcomes the world and I'm stepping into his story. It's not me muscling it up and trying to work it out myself, which is probably a lot of the time that happens. Encourage me not just to tick spiritual boxes, but realising that I've got to live in the fact that Jesus has overcome this world. Someone once said, beholding is becoming. Kind of think that came from the when John the Baptist um, saw Jesus coming um, at his baptism. And he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, we behold Jesus, we become like him. Our fourth glimpse is from North Korea. Hei-woo from North Korea gave her rice away in the labour camp to show God's generosity, memorising the Bible so it would always be with her and having church meetings in the toilet. Many persecuted Christians around the globe know what it means to be overcomers because this is the daily reality. Their perspective had to change. Many were trapped, some indeed literally, as we heard there, in prison or labour camps. They face overwhelming difficulties. Some are experiencing a smashing. They're being pulled apart. Their churches are burned. Their communities overrun. Their leaders killed or arrested. Some are hunted down for their faith. Yet in all these places, Christians find ways to worship God, to witness to others and demonstrate the love of Jesus. They show God's love in practical ways. We have often taken for granted our ability to, to gather for worship. And over the last six months, as we've wrestled on our own personal journeys, are we to prepare to, to press into what God is going to do in us, that he is doing in us, he's changing us? Can we learn diff, different but deeper lessons about our faith? Can we learn from those who persecuted across the globe, who face a kind of a, a very different types of lockdown on a daily basis and have so for years. Can we learn from them? Around the globe, though, Christians are risking their lives to be together. That's not our situation. 
And in many places across the globe, the secret church is growing. Here's some little glimpses of what is happening in probably the 10 most persecuted countries across the globe. In North Korea, there are tens of thousands of Christians in labour camps. In Eritrea, Christians are rounded up and incarcerated, often in metal shipping containers in the desert. In Iran, house churches are raided and pastors sent to prison. In Somalia, just the suspicion that someone is a Christian can lead to immediate execution. In Uzbekistan, the government closely monitors religious groups. Christians in unregistered churches suffer from police raids, threats, arrests and fines. In Afghanistan, if someone is suspected of converting to Christianity, they will be arrested. In Libya, dozens of Christians have been kidnapped or killed by extremists. Yet in all these places, Christians continue to witness despite the personal danger. For persecuted Christians, the most common place of meeting is in houses, in apartments. People don't all arrive or leave at the same time to avoid suspicion. In Sudan, pastors continue to meet and preach even though they know the slightest word out of place could mean imprisonment. And finally, in Pakistan, despite threats of violence, Christians have remained determined to meet together. This evening, we're going to be hosting Secret Church. It's a way for people here in Ebi to experience something of the life of the underground of the persecuted church. There'll be prayer, worship, Bible readings, communion. You simply need to sign up on, on the screen is the link, ebby.org.uk slash secretchurch. Starts at 7pm, but you do need to sign up beforehand to get the link so that you can log in. But maybe um, with your family, you might want to even encourage what does Secret Church look like for children and families? Maybe join with another household or your bubble and experience what does Secret Church look like for families. We've got a resource that we'd like to send you. Just contact the church office, contact me, and we'll send you a version of this Secret Church that is for children and for families. Now today I've deliberately shared a lot of um, stories of glimpses of Christians living out their faith that looks extreme, but it's impacting their situations. And it's inviting others into God's story. It's marked by a changing point in history. The cross and resurrection of Jesus. It's because this perspective that we are opening up to makes no sense if life is about getting, achieving, climbing higher. So I want to encourage you, if you have no faith, if you're watching this and you don't have any faith, or you've been a Christian for decades, or somewhere in between, then I want to encourage you to step outside of a kingdom of comfort into a faith journey, and you will find out that God has what God has designed you to be. It's really difficult, but it's releasing. At, that ch at the changing point of history, Jesus himself, whilst cru being crucified, 
on a wooden cross, one of the most barbaric deaths ever known, said these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. At the cross, Jesus showed us that God's heart for all humanity was to bring them into relationship with him. Forgiving them literally of everything, past, present, future. And inviting into God's story, into his story. Where we live in a broken world. And we're actively wanting to see a broken world become restored. We step into God's story, we say yes to him. Then we are those accepting that forgiveness he is offering being released and healing for us, but also overflowing into the world. Those being persecuted right now for their faith, not only know the forgiveness of Jesus, but they can live this out and overflow to those who are persecuting them. Releasing forgiveness is one of the marks of following Jesus. It's powerful, it's life-changing. It brings more of God's kingdom here on earth. Paul writes in Romans 12 in the New Testament, Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Our final glimpse is this. Like many of us, Zabidi has spent the lockdown in her Central Asian country with a relative. But spending time with her adult son hasn't been a blessing. He puts terrible pressure on her because of her Christian faith. He reproaches her for all their family problems. He threatens her, beats her if he sees her reading the Bible and even rips it. He doesn't like to see her praying and threatens to burn down her church. The lockdown has been the hardest test for Zabidi. So I've finished today. I want you to somehow gather those stories in your head, those pictures, those images. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come to give us an eyes wide open perspective so that we may live as overcomers because he has overcome the world. That we may live as followers of Jesus marked by forgiveness because of what he has done on the cross. And my prayer is that our perspective shifts for where we've become comfortable because we have heard um, something, a glimpse of what Jesus is doing by people sacrificing their lives because of their faith. Let's pause and I'll pray. And maybe as I pray, maybe this is the first time you're saying yes to Jesus, to following him, to asking for that forgiveness for your life. Let's pause.
Holy Spirit, I welcome you into every place that we are sat or standing, lying down. Holy Spirit, would you come? And for those who are for the first time saying, I need to step into God's story. I need to say yes. I accept the forgiveness that Jesus is offering me. And I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I say amen to that prayer. And for all of us, would you give us an eyes wide open perspective, God? Would you help us to hear other people's stories of what they are facing across this globe? Help us to learn. Help us to realise you are the one who overcomes. And in doing that, you have planted a seed in us to be those overcomers because of you. And I pray, God, for each one of us that you would release forgiveness in us, flowing through us. That today would not be a reality check day, but a perspective changing day. In Jesus' name. Amen.